What's up? Today, I talked to Alex Schultz. He is an alderman in the city of Appleton, Wisconsin, and he is the director and founder of Sculpture Valley, who is responsible for many of the sculptures you see around Appleton, mostly in the downtown area. Five, four, three. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? What's up, friends? We're back with another But Why Not? Why not? I'm here with Alex Schultz, the executive director is that, and founder of Sculpture Valley here in town. Uh, nonprofit, correct? That's correct. Um, heavily involved with, with bringing art and culture into the valley. And uh, Alex, we're going to be talking a little bit about this uh, big, big mask sculpture that everybody has an opinion about, or seems to, at least. It's pretty hard to miss, obviously. Why don't you start us off with a question of the day. Um, We're going to talk about the collective, which is the name of that piece, and then uh, Sculpture Valley and see where it goes. So what's what's your question of the day for Northeast Wisconsin? I guess I'd ask the question, can we handle sculptures that are a little bit challenging and not just pretty to look at? So question of the day, can we handle sculptures that are challenging? Um, I'll extrapolate (laughs) art in general that's challenging and not just pretty to consume, right? Right. Cool. Um, So so first and foremost, uh, did you expect any of this? Like... And how did this kind of all hit you in terms of articles being written, so much uh, traffic on social media, literal, literal traffic? Right. little um, figurative. Yeah. How, how did this all kind of... I think we, the jury at least anticipated, you know, some, I wouldn't say controversy, but maybe the fact that this would stimulate conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, our goal is not just to place you know, very eye candy-esque sculptures around the valley. There's a place for that. There's mm-hmm. also a place for placing works that are maybe harder to interpret or maybe sort of stop you in your tracks and then like, what, what the hell is that? Yeah. Um, there's a place for that. Um, and so it wasn't, it didn't surprise us that there was some, um, you know, negative and positive feedback to the work. I think what took us a little bit by surprise was the veracity uh, and some of the and the nature of some of the comments about you know it's scaring my kids or mm-hmm. um, it makes me depressed those sorts of comments I don't think we anticipated that. Sure. Um, was there some sort of process of I guess like what what can you do with that information you know like I was looking through some of the comments um, on the Post Crescent articles they were saying like here's here's some of the detractors here's some of the supporters. Um, and the thing about social media, and we know because we're posting content for businesses all the time, we're hearing from local business owners um, that deal with the ups and downs of right. of the semi anonymity and anonymity anonymity. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenging one. Yeah, <laughs> but the anonymous nature of social media, um, and it, like, how do you decide like? 
if these people even have kids that are actually afraid or if they're just sharing their opinions or you know that's that's a that's a challenging uh question to tease an answer out of like i want to take everyone's word and be serious about it Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time when you hear from lots of other individuals with kids and families who love it you have to wonder you know why is it that one family wants to go see this and you know and really enjoys it and the kids love it and they laugh about it and they give it names like schnoozle Um, (laughs) you know yeah for sure it's it's not a a one-sided equation so if there are people that it's scaring their kids what what is that present a present an opportunity to maybe go look at it closer with your kids and talk about it's an art piece of art you know there are some frightening faces the way you interpret it but there's also a lot of happy smiley faces and yeah i think it's you know art subjective and everyone's gonna have their own reaction and honestly when i first saw it up close i was like wow there are some kind of crazy faces in there but i i look at the totality of the piece um and then i reflect on you know the the wide range of comments from you know incredible really love that you're doing this so glad that you chose this piece to have it here to the to the far side of the spectrum which is i really hate this um i can't stand waking up every day and looking at it mm-hmm. and so th- there is a wide gamut now yeah. what do you do with that i mean that's right. that's a challenge right so Definitely. you know do we do we capitulate to the people that have the negative reactions and then you know do an injustice to those who love having the piece there or you know, do we tell those people that, hey, this is a great piece of artwork, but it is bothersome to some individuals, and if it's in their neighborhood, which is essentially hanging it on their wall, because it is that close to a couple of properties, do we say, you know what, um, we can move it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help you get through this. I think the challenge is in uh, determining the time frame for when that happens, uh, and then who's responsible ultimately for moving it. Mm-hmm. If we elect to do it ourselves, then it's on us to move it. Um, if we're being forced to move it by the city, then the, there's a whole host of questions that come up. Is the city responsible for moving it then because they're forcing us to do it? Yeah. And we're not electing to do it. Have you talked to Paul? Paul's the artist. Have you talked to him about this since it's happened? We've, we've been exchanged a couple of times. Um, you know, for an artist, anytime they're getting exposure, you know, they understand that it's, uh, a, you know, comments being what they are and as you said the veracity of some of the things you hear on social media mm-hmm. i mean i can i can imagine that some of the comments probably st- struck him to the core mm-hmm. but generally speaking he's happy that it's engendered so much conversation and you know he's got people calling him to do interviews on npr and he'd never had that before so <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's cool. like anything any any news is i mean any any um, negative storyline is it's not necessarily a bad thing it's I and mean, you think about the, the amount of conversations we've had now because of this piece it's it's pretty incredible this thing i think has probably um engaged more individuals and got more people to talk about it than i, I mean i think probably the hadzi the, the fox river oracle is probably the last time anything like this happened what's the hadzi that's the large stone sculpture that everyone says look like a looks like a horse licking a penis it's the Oh, Very, right, when you come Oneida across Street, Oneida? and the Oneida skyline. Okay. I never heard that Oh, you have that Oh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah that's, that's kind of lore now. If you ask anybody over 50 or 40, what do they think about that piece? Nine times out of ten, they'll say they don't like it because it has a phallic sort of interpretation. Really? It's fascinating. I mean, and, you know, these things, they come and go, you know. Um, 
well that's the beauty of the acre it's it's here for two years mm-hmm. and i and i think that's allows us to do this this thing i mean if we were honestly if this was a piece that we were going to install for five to ten years we wouldn't have selected that piece maybe mm-hmm. and we certainly wouldn't have put it in that location so when we think about okay you know what it's two years two by two years for us goes by pretty damn fast mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah moving sure. pieces in and out of town every year this is a biennial exhibition but we do it annually so constantly moving pieces in and out and that's the beauty of it because you can hate something just absolutely detest it <laughs> but you can live with it for a year and a half yeah. or two years and then it's going to be gone and maybe something beautiful that you'll love will will pop up in its place definitely what's your take on the piece like just personally my personal taste is that i mean i kind of like the funky nature of it Mm -hmm. um i i have to reflect on the person who sponsored it uh which was uh for an individual that i knew well before she passed away from cancer she was an artist and she spent a lot of her time dragging her family around to visit outsider art installations in Wisconsin. So the concrete uh, gardens, um, Forever Tron by Dr. Evermore, uh, over in over near the Dells. Um, and there's three or four other outsider artists hmm. kind of campuses, or I'm not forget. There's a specific term for what they're called, but they're you know out in the sticks and in the country, and someone just has this art, art creative endeavor, and they just start creating, right? And then yeah. they don't stop. It's almost, I mean, you can think about it like House on the Rock. Yeah, um, that began sort of that way. It was a just kind of a creative endeavor, and it just kind of just kind of grew, grew. and he didn't person. stop until he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, um, and there's something fascinating about that, and and the fact that Wisconsin has so many of these more than any other state. And really? Linda Moore, just, just she loved it. Uh, wow. And she would take her family to these different places and see these kind of crazy, zany little worlds. Yeah. And when I saw this piece, uh, when it was submitted, now Paul submitted three works. All of them were kind of, you know, abstract. Mm-hmm. And they're all worthy of consideration. Uh, but when we saw this one uh, submitted this year, I almost knew instantaneously that the Moors would love this because it spoke directly to what she loved mm-hmm. and I'd been hoping to find something that those guys could sponsor nice and I you know when it came here and Brian Moore and his daughters went to see it they said there's just this is absolutely perfect it's brilliant it's it's so Linda you couldn't have picked a better work of art to say this is uh, being placed in our mother and wife's honor nice is there like a plaque out there for Linda there, there will be plaques on each of these it's mm. um, not out yet they're still on order uh, it's okay. been a long protracted process this year with the sure. arts commission and trying to get through the the many steps to, for approval so okay you know typically i'm installing these things before the mile of music and okay. because of the new arts commission and the approval process which is five or six different steps through communities of jurisdiction and finally common council uh, i was putting up a sculpture in a in a december you know rainstorm ice wow. storm so that's when it went out was december the last one in Jones Park. Okay. Um, I had some delays just with weather and, and getting in there and having the ability to, to lift that one. Yeah. Um, Sculpture Valley doesn't own any heavy equipment, so we've got to typically we're, we're asking, right? Right. Um, and so Bolt Company has been our ally for the last three years, and typically they do everything we ask of them, move the pads around, get them in position, mm. and then if we need, if we actually need a lull or a crane on site to lift a sculpture and place it, they'll do that for us too. That's awesome. We, I mean, there's such, it seems like the, the right pieces are in place for like a lot of 
good community alignment in Appleton or in the Fox Valley in particular. Like our our audience, we try and get involved in all of Northeast Wisconsin, yeah. and it seems like Fox Valley is the most aligned. Whether I don't know if it's because of like Lawrence um, or like the community or the corporations you know the economic backbone that is in town here whether it's their mindset or that they're progressive or something i don't know but seems like i mean everyone's trying to get you know more culture more art um better promotion more event you know better events better um but appleton seems to be firing on all cylinders yeah i think i think appleton's playing a little bit of catch-up you know when when we evaluated the artworks and and took a look at okay when was the last time a, a public artwork was installed 2011 was when the manhole covers went in but that was such a sort of an underground uh, installation but prior to that I think it was 1989 so we had wow. gone through a, a two decades of like no new public art and I think that's what uh, Rob Nielsen was it was itching you know he's like we i haven't seen anything come up i've been at this university now and this is my responsibility so he the first installation he did was these manhole covers as part of the compassion project that was at the trout museum okay in 2000 i think it was 2014 if i remember right um but that was like the first new uh installation of public artwork okay dang so um so Rob is your friend at Lawrence. Yes, and he he and I were the founders of this group, the original two, and he's been with me every step of the way. Awesome. Is uh, he still a part of Sculpture yes. Valley? Okay. Yep. Nice. And what's his background in in art? You said he had a sculpture background? He's a, or? Yeah, he's a nationally known artist. He has works uh, you know, all over the country, some in Florida, a lot of them out in uh, L.A., um, but pretty well known he actually was commissioned to do a couple pieces at the exposition center when that was built so mm-hmm. there's a large wisconsin shape and a pin that says you are here okay and then he did the faces uh montage um which is i don't remember the number maybe 1500 individual faces that make up six larger faces uh if you haven't seen that same concept is it? kinda yeah you're right it is almost the same concept <laughs> Um, if you haven't seen that, those two in the exhibition center, then then it's worth going to have a look at. And then he also was commissioned specifically by Myron to do a um, oh, cool. sort of a commemorative piece, piece which is I-beams on end with uh, the names of the 13 communities that contributed in to the exhibition center. Yeah, yeah, on I've the third that. floor. So cool those were all Rob's. Okay. Um, and they were paid for by the city and by Myron. And, nice. and we sort of, we, we look at that and like, oh, that was nice. That's possible. Like we can, we can fund like significant large scale works. Um, but there's no requirement to do so. So, uh, you know, I wear another hat and that's Alderman for District 9. Mm. And I've been introducing, you know, various resolutions to do what you're saying, get some more progressive um, leaning policies in place to allow us to be more progressive in the mm-hmm. way we you know live work and play so one of the things that i'll be teasing out soon is a percent for art program green bay just introduced it last year and essentially says if you're getting money from the city through tiff funding and you're going to do a construction project or a capital project then one percent 
doesn't have to be one percent maybe it's half percent but some percentage some minor percentage has to go towards the arts okay. and so it establishes kind of a baseline and, and a requirement that says you know what we're going to give you some money but all we want is a little bit of artwork and you can either you know incorporate it into the building itself in the architectural design you hire an artist you pay him and you, you're, you've done your one percent or maybe you contract and put on an RF for a piece of artwork that goes on the campus. If neither of those things interest you, cut a check for 1% and we can send it over to Sculpture Valley. Okay, sweet. Or the city, actually. The city would probably hold those funds. Do you think, so does all this conversation and activity around the collective, the mask piece, does that, um, does that help gain exposure for sculpture valley have you found more absolutely. people absolutely absolutely and is that is that beneficial it seems like it would be it's it's significant right mm -hmm. um we had our first board meeting of 2020 last night and there were seven new faces nice. and a whole new slate of you know positioned board members and then board members at large and they were all there primarily because of this conversation mm-hmm you know, two years ago, had I had a meeting, there might be three or four people there. So, nice. yeah, it has had a, a, a great impact. You know, it's getting people talking, but it also gets people like the fact that we're having to go through this process with the city to move it. That gets people even more fired up. Like we would have had some conversations about the piece if it was just there and people were talking about it. Mm -hmm. But but the conversation is sort of morphed into, well, there's some members of the community that don't like it and now because there's a few members that don't like it the city's asking us to move it yeah it's like how many that my question yeah. is how many really hate it like how many really hate it and it's it's tough to say you it's know it's hard to know yeah when i first saw it i definitely i definitely slowed down yeah. um i actually so the one detractor comment that i was like oh, okay when I saw in the Postgres and they had like 10 comments or something or maybe less. But um, one was like, maybe if it was in Trout, it would get more foot traffic and people like in Houdini Plaza, I yeah. guess is probably what they meant. Um, it would get more foot traffic and people could digest it better. Because what I noticed is the first time I saw it, it like struck me as like very, like it, it just, spoke for itself and I interpreted it probably how I wanted to, yeah. which had like a real ancient feel to it. And then when I really saw it, I saw the eyeballs and it like changed, it changed. I was like, oh, I didn't, I thought it was like, like I didn't see the eyeballs the first time, but you really do, you know, if you have time to digest something, yeah. whether it's a book or a video or, or a piece of art, um, you do need multiple exposures to really see it for what it is and yeah, maybe think about, think about how great that is that something you look at it for a second like uh i gotta go back and look at that i mean how many other sculptures true we got sculptures everywhere I've true got and 22, how many? 22 works of art in the fox cities and i you know people pretty much look at them and say well that's neat and then there's no inclination to go back and study it in depth it's true to any degree that i know of but this one Everybody's like, well, I had to go back and look at it because I couldn't quite, <laughs> I couldn't quite figure out what. Yeah. It. So, yeah, we could put it in a park. We could put it in a safer space, or mm -hmm. maybe a more secluded space that wouldn't, you know, garner so much controversy. But uh, you know, I think about that part of it. That eighteen thousand cars drive past that location on a daily basis. That's a hell of a lot of exposure. Yeah. And if you know, one tenth of one percent says, uh, I got to go back and look at that. 
you know, you've, you've just engaged yeah. 180 people. 180 people to, yeah. and that, well, I can't think of anything else that's done that, as you said, in, in, in decades. Definitely. True. It, it is powerful at the end of the day. Like, I liked, so, and I get that, so, so I get that, like, the artist's interpretation or, like, other people's interpretation because it is so it's so subjective you know what i mean like you can't you can't use your interpretation as an argument for why it needs to stay and this but it goes the other way too yeah um but uh paul right paul paul bobrowitz yeah he said he said if i had painted it one color all one color i think it would have been people would have been fine with it and like i think he might be right like if it was all light blue like it would have just been like yeah. a, a face sure but something about the like tattered nature of it is just like adds like a maybe a component of death or something that people are like afraid of or i don't know you know yeah i can see that as being part of that interpretive process picture right? it being Oh, all like blue super glossy light sure. exactly yeah and now all of a sudden it's just like now you're just arguing about the actual facial <laughs> yes. features now you're not arguing about the faces on the masks but isn't that crazy that just change one oh, aesthetic and, and suddenly everything changes definitely yeah. and that's good art i mean if you can do that in any medium you've accomplished something yeah and i think again you gotta you gotta reflect on it is what it is like this mm-hmm. is propane tanks being reassembled it's it's very outsider artist this is someone who just had the desire to he didn't think i'm going to create six of these and try and get them into an exhibition he's like you know what there's this company over here they're throwing away propane tanks they can't recycle them i'm gonna gonna go get them all yeah now what am i gonna do i got an idea (laughs) yeah and i i think he he, paulie's even said he was shocked that we picked that piece he's like i kind of threw it in as a on a whim thinking yeah at least i'll throw it out there um, and we'd consider one of his other stainless steel brush stainless steel pieces two years previous mm-hmm. so he, he knew we were you know looking for his work when it came time to submit yeah, yeah. but he's even said I, I'm just really shocked that you guys chose that one and I thought of right. course we did you know this yeah. this one was selected as the top choice of the jury right mm-hmm. because not because it's polished or it looks you know looks will yeah, look great and it it was really chosen because of its nature right mm-hmm. that sort of rough nature and you got to look at it and go what the hell <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's not yeah it's it has multiple meanings obviously but yeah it wasn't just like the perfect face it wasn't an, an exact right. replica we had another our, our very first installation from 2017 was called sleepy time and this is a piece from an artist out of new york it is uh, a series of eight cast baby heads in various modes of sleeping, right? They're it. kind of like awake in, and somewhat awake, uh, and they're arranged on these wood like posts. wood posts. But they're, it goes to this nature of what how it's being presented. But they're burnt, they're charred posts with these baby heads on it, and then there's this largest teddy bear that is sitting in the center and kind of holding court with all these kids that are babies that are falling asleep. Well. <laughs> There were when we installed that thing. There were some individuals, like it's very similar in the neighborhood, who just flipped out, primarily because they didn't know what it was about, where it came from, and I think that's part of the challenge of placing, as we've seen, placing public art. Maybe you got to let people, hey, it's coming, <laughs> a little heads up, 
Um, don't be too surprised if something kind of odd appears. But this one was on private property. And two days after we installed it, it was uh, unceremoniously removed and thrown in a dumpster. Really? So controversy is out there. Um, thankfully, we were able to recover it. And, I, was gonna say, I just saw it, actually. I'm not going to say where it is. Well, but. No, you can say where it is. It's oh, at Tandem. And, tandem, and yeah. hopefully, <laughs> we're going to get it outside Tandem. Yeah. Um, is that where it was had, the first time? Uh, it was at the Nina paper site down on Law Street, very near where the metamorphosis is going to end up, mm-hmm. kind of on the other side by the railroad track crossing. We weren't live when we were talking about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's yeah, okay. okay. We'll <laughs> talk about it. As we <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was it was pulled from there, and then um, George from Tandem was gracious enough to let us uh, uh, install it as at his previous shop on College Avenue. Mm-hmm. So it was out in the back patio space for probably six months, and then we had to pull it from there. Um, it's been in storage. It's now it's inside Tandem, and we're kind of waiting for the weather to thaw, and we'll find a spot outside the, the Tandem to, to reinstall it. Yeah, I don't think asking permission for that kind of thing is ever going to be the right answer unfortunately not saying like okay i think you should ask permission like you should get like you guys got approved maybe talking to some of the homeowners directly but telling the whole city we're going to do this art piece and having everyone vote nothing's ever going to get done exactly i think the notification is fine and that's sort of the at least give these individuals some sense that it's coming and if they decide hey i'd like to come see what you're presenting from my neighborhood and you're going to show up at an arts commission meeting seven o'clock on a tuesday morning great you get to come see what we're presenting yeah um but even in that case even if i had five individuals from the community come to our presentation to the arts commission then again this is on public property it doesn't have anything to do with our private property installations uh, and i had a couple individuals come and say oh that's the ugliest thing i've ever seen i don't want that in my neighborhood i could very easily expect to have an equal number of people come and say that's fantastic i'm so glad you guys chose that piece yet right. in the spot perfect spot and so no. how do you if that's the reaction okay great i've got two sides of this equation who who wins the argument right mm-hmm. and how do we choose what should and shouldn't be there so in reality we could have notified the neighbors we could have had some of them show up and say this is a ugly piece i don't understand why you choose this and sculpture valley could still have gone forward and said well we get that but we love it we chose it and we would like to place it here now does the negative side influence the various committees possibly does this does it influence city staff who doesn't want to take like irritating phone calls possibly so it does influence in the end in and uh, it's just hard to say what the outcome would have been even if he had notified the neighbors Mm -hmm. so you know, I'm open to that notification process, but everyone needs to understand there's not like a veto power. So we notify you, you get to come see what we're doing. Right. And, th- and then you get to provide some feedback. And that's what, you know, I think that's what city government's role is. Um, but we have to be really careful because if, if we allow a couple of people who might interpret it in a negative way to influence how, what we're doing throughout the city, you know, we might as well not place any sculpture, right? I, right. Because honestly, I get, I get, weird comments about every every sculpture we've placed i've got one offbeat at least comment about it i mean mm-hmm. there's the theb stack sculpture that's on the other side of the college avenue bridge the most innocuous sculpture you can imagine it's just a the kitty, shape it of would boxes be kitty corner, right? yeah By it's just angels it's just or whatever. 
it's like a, a amalgamation of a couple of box shapes and yeah. it's sort of an mc escher s thing where as you're driving by it it shifts and changes and that's kind of the intent yeah but i get there were uh, lots of comments and there was even an article in the post crescent saying this controversial artwork and, it, and i look at it like how really <laughs> how is this controversial <laughs> You know, right? right. So if that, yeah. if that was presented and I had some people say, that's the most, uh, ugly piece of junk looks like fell off somebody's truck. We don't want that in the neighborhood. Then, then what do I do? Right. Then I got to find another place for it. So you start, you know, you start going down this right. really yeah. slippery slope where, oh, I can't, I mean, I could, I can imagine every piece of artwork being challenged and then what, then we don't get to place any artwork. So it, it comes down to, you, you know, this community has the guts, right? We're moving forward. We're, we're trying to progress and create a place that is, you know, more appealing to, you know, a younger generation. And part of that is saying, you know, we can handle an occasional piece. Mm-hmm. Now, having said all of that, we do understand that it's a unique spot because it's really close to a couple houses. And I think we have to have the the wisdom to say okay you know you guys have a valid point if i woke up every day and there was something i really hated outside my window you know is that the right choice do i have any say in that mm-hmm. it's a public space and then we went through the public approval process so in the end maybe not but i don't think it behooves sculpture valley to make enemies out of the community you know we're trying to move our mission forward uh, embrace the community and get things done and I think we just have to be really careful about where this thing goes. And mm-hmm. it is still up in the air. So we're still trying to find a new home for it. We don't have an answer. It's possible that we don't have a private home for it. And then we're back to the city telling us to remove it. Is um, that where it's at right now? It's kind of in this state of limbo. Sure. I have a couple offers that I'm trying to get answers on, and I, it's just taking more time than anticipated. If both of those fall through, um, then we're back to the recommendation by municipal services to rescind the site. And that means Sculpture Valley has to remove it. Mm. And then we start the process. If we want to put it back out, we have to start the process all over again for a public site, which means another four months of coming up with a proposal, submitting it, going through all these various Dang. steps. And I'm... I'm not eager to do that, as you can imagine. I don't want to go yeah. through it all again. I've got a new exhibition to put out, and just, I'm dreadful. going to be putting out a call for entry for Acre 4 in within probably four weeks. So uh, my interest is in getting beyond this, and I think Sculpture yeah. Valley's interest, uh, the new board, I think, is in the same sort of position that we want to just, we want to find uh, an amicable solution. Um, but it, there is still a potential uh, vote by council that could say, you know what, Sculpture Valley did everything they were supposed to do. They got approval through the process. They did everything right. And the city had f- ample opportunity, five different opportunities to say, maybe you shouldn't put this one here. And they didn't. So th- there so, is still a potential vote that could come out of council to say, you know what, uh, uh, almost a year has already gone by. Live with it for another year. We're going yeah. to let you keep it there. So, How long has it been? Well, that was supposed to be installed in August, so um, it didn't go up until November. Okay. So, I mean, uh, the agreement of the lease is November. Once it's oh, installed, so it, it's two years after installation, okay. even though, yeah. So, you know, it's November to November now. It could come out earlier, but 
Okay. We've got four months in a four months into a twenty four month period. Okay. So we're you know a fifth of the way done. So depending on how that vote goes, and um, almost time passing, we could just reach like a threshold where where it stays. I hope it stays. I think it's cool. I haven't got to walk past it yet. Yeah. It's on that. It's on kind of a bike trail right there, right? Yeah. There's a little loop um, and a crossing there, so. Like, yeah, we, we think it's a perfect place for sculpture. And I think what, what I gives agree. us a little pause is we don't want this to create a space where we're never going to put sculpture there again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you think about the traffic, again, 18,000 cars a day, I, there is no other space that gets that much exposure. And yeah. if you drive up and down College Avenue, there's other sculptures there, but they don't have quite that slowing down and coming into a zone. And, and then the city recognizes that location as a gateway opportunity. And the 2016 comprehensive plan identifies those sort of entry points into downtown as we need to put, encourage sculpture to be placed here. And so we're actually following the recommendation of the comp plan of the city. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, we'll do that for you guys. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to pay for it. Sculpture right. Valley is going to do what you what you said you would do in your comprehensive plan. Yeah, I think it's kind of key to note, I don't know if this has been fully like communicated, I mean, it's been communicated, but like taxpayers aren't paying for that sculpture to be there. Correct. And it's on public property, not private. The city more or less allows you through a rigorous process. And like you said, four months of figuring this stuff out and the the period is supposed to be six to eight weeks but we know how the city works and, you know <laughs> yeah. get meetings get rescheduled or sure. something gets held because we don't talk about it some more so your six to eight weeks is more like 10 to 12 and maybe a little longer yeah yeah i actually think like i totally i'm, I'm with you like i understand people who don't who don't like it um and actually i think for some people it, it is a field day to like zingers is is yeah. like you know to be like oh it, it belongs in the the landfill and stuff i actually can see the humor in that even though i i enjoy it personally um i just think that if it gets removed now there's like a whole thing where money is getting spent and in my opinion wasted time is being spent and kind of wasted yeah. um and then it's not just that there's like you know people are being heard and um now there's actually like a message being sent that's like um there's a line and like it's not very hard to cross you know what i mean and that sends a message to not just people considering making appleton home or the home of their business or whatever um but really it sends a message to people that maybe have a dream that are like I want to make an art movement in the Fox cities, or I want to make, you know, I want to open a, a studio in the Fox cities or now all of a sudden you have to say, well, now I'm going to be literally potentially fighting the public with not a very high threshold. If I'm going to make some things happen yeah, in the right. community, you know, that's kind of how the problem with, with removal in my eyes. And it's not, I mean, I think in, in, in context, it's not that challenging a piece if you think about other artworks that are placed in the public space. Uh, there's a lot more. Oh, definitely. <laughs> far more challenging artworks that have been placed around the country that you know are allowed to stay. This was. It doesn't rise to that level. Yeah, I was even gonna, like the Sleeping Baby. I think is more controversial yeah. than 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 this than this definitely. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, which, like, so at the end of the day, who is making, is it the Common Council that's kind of the... The final vote is will be up to Council. Okay. You know, Municipal Services uh, made the motion to rescind it and then amended that by saying, well, why don't we give Sculpture Valley some time to work with the city to find new locations? But th that gets us into a whole different um, working space. The The agreement we have with the city is this one lease and what we're doing now is basically cutting that lease short so from their standpoint um you know we installed it once and we're going to remove it once and and then it's a question of well now what what do i do i've got a piece mm -hmm. i need to place it somewhere right mm -hmm. if i want to place it on city property i've got to start that process again if i want to place it on private property you know, there's a whole other thing. Now I'm going to end up having to store this somewhere, and I don't exactly know where that's going to be if I'm, yeah. if I'm forced. Now, if the if council votes to remove it, the current agreement, if it comes to a close, I have seven days to move it. So I've got to get someone out there to <laughs> pick this thing up in the middle of winter and yeah. find a new spot for it. And, again, I'm not eager to do that either. Right. We should put it on the top of like the Zilke building or something. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> You're right. Let's put it on top of the building. Yeah. Never heard that one let's let's take the origami crane down from the trout and put it up there. That would really be kind of spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I'm trying to think of like a privately held <laughs> building downtown that like might do it. You know, like Basil's or something. That would be funny. I didn't. I haven't thought about that. Get it up a couple stories. And, yeah. Make it even more. And then more. really make it like. Yeah. Like. <laughs> It's like a hydra, from, right? you know, yeah. like cut off the head. I like that idea. More grow. It's not that heavy. Huh. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some, some uh, business owners with, you know, yeah. good sense of humor or building owners, I guess is the better I way. That would be, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Cool. So we have a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting these notions. Yeah. These other backup ideas. Yeah. And I, I had someone call me this morning. You just put it on my property. I'm like, well, yeah, you actually have pretty good chunk of property over there you know? yeah definitely um, but need that my, high traffic yeah my, i want to keep it on college i mean that site was chosen specifically for that work mm -hmm. um you know some people say it's out of scale i don't believe so like I it's too it's, big or I, too small too big too big oh, but i just feel perfect. like it's kind of ideal and then definitely. there's the notion that it doesn't fit with the historic neighborhood which okay what does if i put up <laughs> yeah the, the argument is like false because if i had placed a bright shiny cool modern abstract piece there i we wouldn't be having this conversation right it, it would have been accepted and it would have been like oh this is great thanks for adding this to our neighborhood yeah um you almost need something rusty and then if you yeah if you look actually look at the character of the homes the mm -hmm. colors in the piece just they blend right in there's yeah. i mean i think it's almost in some ways it's a perfect fit for that neighborhood versus mm -hmm. if I had put a, you know, a, a freshly enameled yellow sculpture, which is down in Nina, mm -hmm. if I had placed that there, it would stick out, I think like a sore thumb, but, but it wouldn't have the controversy. So right. <laughs> it, it is really interesting when you think about all these aspects of this piece. Mm -hmm. So how, how is, so Sculpture Valley started in 2011, right? Um, you and Rob? Yeah, we, we were, we were chasing an R-Town grant. Did we talk about this? That we were not live. We were not we were live. Not okay, live, so yeah. just real in brief, we were we were trying to get money for a national endowment for the arts grant called Our Town, which I think it was $60,000 to commission new works of art for public spaces. Um, we didn't receive that funding, but in the process of uh, 
going through the requirements for that grant, we needed to form a nonprofit organization to, to be the ones that were managing the project. So we formed Sculpture Valley. Um, and in the like the intervening year, essentially, we were looking around like we should really do an inventory because there's some things that are missing. And we should find out what we can do, even though we don't have this funding. And so we like well the first one was aerial landscape by Ralph Westfall on Lawrence campus, which was, you know, unceremoniously torched apart with a plasma cutter and stuck behind Alexander Jim for five years. Right, it was taken down under the guise of being re- needing to be restored, but there was never really any intent to restore it. So uh, when the new president came in, that was one of the very first initiatives that Rob took up, and then. Um, Beth Zinsley, who runs the Riston Galleries, and Jake Woodford um, were sort of primarily in charge of making that restoration happen, again, with both company doing much of the, much of the heavy work. Mm-hmm. So we got that one restored, um, and Metamorphosis is another one that was sort of unceremoniously removed from our our urban landscape so when you say uh, unceremoniously you mean just kind of without asking or kind yeah, of yeah kind of with con- without any con- conversation, conversation yeah. like okay it's going away and then people were like what happened to it and at the time it was like well we're taking it down temporarily it'll be back soon once we redesign houdini plaza well th- there was no accommodation for it i think there sure. could have been but sure. the new design just the powers that be felt there was no accommodation for that sculpture so it was basically shuttled out to the the park and rec facilities building where it's been sitting outside for close to a decade yeah so that was kind of the projects you guys took on at the beginning was kind of like how can we rework or how can we work with these things yeah we, we took an inventory you know we have uh you know maybe a half a dozen war memorials in the city and they were all sort of in a bad state and of decay and disrepair so so the civil war memorial soldier squares had some pieces missing since well since the 20s but there was a restoration effort i think in the 70s where they replaced some but now there's five pieces missing again so and it needs it's in desperate need of of a full restoration what about like memorial drive the doughboy um we actually, because it had been restored three previous times, uh, the last one in 2006, we didn't even look at that one in our first inventory. We figured, oh, thankfully, there's one we don't have to worry about because it was just got a full restoration. But nice. soon after, we discovered that the restoration was not full. Mm. Um, the zinc alloy of the original just isn't wasn't really meant to last that long or couldn't last that long. So the last restoration, which the city and the Post Crescent spent you know, twenty some thousand dollars to accomplish was essentially an epoxy fill of cracks and painting it. Mm. It was not a it was That's not a good restoration. Nice. So when we discovered that, um it was about the same time that we successfully got the city to take ownership of all the memorials uh, mm. on public spaces and say, Okay, we need to step up and take care of these things. So in twenty fifteen a budget was established to restore all the existing right. war memorials and sculptures. Um within the Appleton uh, essentially city limits right of way in in public spaces Uh, so that was the first sort of big one Um, and we 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 used some of the funds from that line item to essentially accomplish a full permanent restoration by having um, Max Cast Foundry come in do a form he took the Doughboy back to Iowa um, cast it create molds and then re 
essentially recast it in new bronze. Which one? Recreated the some boy? pieces. That's the one that's on Memorial Drive. Okay. The World okay. War One Memorial. Gotcha. And so we, that was great because it's now it's uh, we don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not like oh, there's this thing that's been giving us a lot of trouble for the last 50 years right we got to keep an eye on it now it's like it's done it nice. just needs to be washed every year and get a good. coat of wax and it'll last forever nice. um, so that's the kind of model we're chasing instead of like doing you know partial half-assed restoration projects it's like let's do it right definitely and so that's what we're trying to do with all of these is like okay you can't just put it back out there and say it's done you really got to do a full full-on restoration by someone who's certified and knows what they're doing yeah just do it right yeah um so then 2015 is there was the transition from the war memorials to doing acre of art like when did you take on that? yeah essentially i mean the early years we're just trying to get our you know feet wet and, and and really work with within the city and try to figure out what we could do like it's all volunteer time, right? My board isn't paid. I'm not paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all have our own busy lives. So the first few years, we're like a, looking at the projects that we could take on. Um, we were involved in uh, getting the Houdini bust in Houdini Plaza, the Doughboy restoration. There are various other projects that are you know, just kind of keep getting pushed back because of you know, the development. The nature of the timeline of development downtown kind of shifts things around. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, I think once that budget was established, we kind of had a little, uh, you know, sigh of relief. Hey, there's some funds now. Thank yeah. goodness. We don't have to go out and fundraise, which was part of the challenge. It's hard to go to a vet- bunch of veteran organizations who are trying to help, you know, homeless veterans, you know, have shelter or eat, uh, you know, and not commit suicide and say, hey, can you give us $5,000 to do a sculpture restoration? I mean, right. th- that's a real challenge, right? And mm-hmm. And I think there's that money's better spent on on veterans themselves Mm -hmm. so to have that funding established to to take care of these things was significant i mean i think it was a a real milestone for the city to finally take ownership uh and and throw some money at it commit to doing it so there's funds in the in the budget essentially for five years out and they kind of keep getting pushed um but we have funding set aside for the civil war restoration the soldier um, spanish american war memorial restoration which is in pierce park Mm -hmm. and uh, we just got approval at the last council to wait until Soldier Square is sort of redefined and, and redesigned once the Y ramp comes down, and then we're going to do those restorations. We didn't want uh, these sort of again. It's, it, call, it goes back to the haphazard thing. Like it, it wouldn't have looked good had we done a restoration of the Spanish American War Memorial at Pierce Park, which we know originally came from Soldier Square or done the Civil War Memorial Restoration and then five years later we redo the plaza the the timing is and the metric is off so right. knowing that that's coming at some point and saying we're going to redo this Soldier Square maybe it's not this 80 foot space maybe we, we don't know exactly if it is great but we're going to accommodate we're, at that time that's where we're going to redo these things and we're going to have a, a great unveiling and rededication of this space with two War Memorial Restorations, and a third at a minimum for Desert Veterans um, who we've been working with the last few years to try and start developing some funding. Nice. So you're being strategic about it. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, not not just doing because it needs to get done, but thinking very sort of, you know, mid mid to long term about, okay, this space has to come back. We, We lost 
the, the real uh, reflective nature of Soldier Square back in the 30s. I think it was 1937 when a decision was made to take out the Grass Boulevard and just pave it all over so we could get all those cars that are coming downtown a space to park, right? And so that's yeah. when it became parking. I mean, that was, right. you what, know. When was this? 37? It was about 90 years ago, Holy 1937, shit. right? That's crazy. That's when, that's when parking became the predominant use of mm. that space. And it has, sure. it's been that ever since in various shapes and, and forms. So we're saying, you know, do we, honestly, do we need that? Right. You know, we, we understand that there's businesses that are adjacent to that space. But I think, you know, the question of parking is, is always going <laughs> to, it's always a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's creative ways to address it. Uh, and whatever happens in that uh, footprint of the Y ramp, we hope that we can accommodate, um, you know, a redesign of, of Soldier Square and, and capture what it was once was. Not the original design by any means, right. but at least the spirit of what the space is supposed Give to be. Some credence. Not an alley, not a, you know, dumpster, spot for dumpsters and, yeah. and drive through. Definitely a spot where people can right. be. Uh, and I think the best... Uh, the best notion it was actually in the 2016 comm plan there was a concept where you know we would extend essentially coming out of Houdini Plaza if you're walking eastward you cross over the street and then you're into another pedestrian space instead of crossing into like parking in an alley you're actually crossing into more pedestrian mall that has more things engaged and going yeah, on definitely and you it'd be good for create some slow space by either you know using bollards that can come up and come down on on the street or you create sort of a raised area so you know that you're in a space. It's going to be slower. So, yeah, there, I think there's some really good ideas out there. Um, and, and the intent of that resolution was just to put the brakes on the restorations because they were coming hard and fast. Like, we want to get these restorations done. Sculpture Valley had uh, worked with the city to purchase replacement cannon for the Spanish-American War Memorial three years ago now I think and I think they're eager to like hey we've got these cannon in storage can we get this thing done mm-hmm. and I keep saying uh, not yet let's hold off and yeah. uh, you know I think there was just some eagerness to start getting some of these restorations done and yeah. that's essentially why I said no this I, you guys got to understand what I'm trying to accomplish here or what mm-hmm. we are trying to accomplish here mm-hmm. um, you know at Sculpture Valley and I was also I'm a veteran and I represent those groups and organizations as well so you know, collectively, we have a notion of what the space used to be and what it should be. Definitely. Just Soldier Square alone, making that an adjacent pedestrian area. I mean, you're like, how many parking spots are you losing? Like 25 or something? Or maybe 30 something? Yeah, that's probably in that neighborhood. Yeah. 30 parking spots. But what you're opening up for yeah, the, what you're getting out of for it? the businesses right. that are back there, for the... Yeah, I think about how actively events. engaged those businesses would be if that space was being used. It's not just parking now. Now you're actually going there to, to hang you know, out, to hang out, facilitate, you know, have an Live event, music. Well, whatever. yeah, there's a business. I'm gonna go get a euro because it's right there, yeah, right? Versus absolutely. before, I'm parking my car to go on some place on college. Yep. Oh yeah, the euro shop's right there. You know, it there's is, a different, yeah. there's a, a significant value to those green spaces and particularly when we're trying to draw all this new fresh blood to downtown we're creating all these great housing opportunities you got to give people a space to live right yeah. it doesn't do any good to create 500 units of affordable housing in the downtown yeah if there's no space for people to actually enjoy you know, play right you got to give them that space and, and and there's a premium for that we get it but it's a value that we we just have to value yeah, right right yeah. we have to understand what what it costs to create that kind of environment 
do you know where the because like a lot of it i mean from how i understand it from from conversations with various people um is basically the capacity of downtown in terms of housing is gonna increase by like 30 percent or something or I, I don't know some, that exact number, but yeah, there's, big, there's, a, there's a significant a, a amount chunk. coming online. Like I think the target was 400 new units. It's probably going to exceed that. Yeah, and so it's pretty substantial. So what I've, how I understand it, is that it kind of hinges on this uh, U.S. Yeah. venture development, and not that it won't happen if the U.S. venture development doesn't happen, but as soon as the u.s venture development is locked in or if or i don't i guess i don't know i don't want to be <laughs> negative or whatever yeah. but um but as soon as that happens the housing is going to like ramp up in terms of like development speed or yeah that, i think our, our concern yeah. from the um as if i have my ultimate hat on it's uh, that we have low income affordable housing and in, in all of that development because you're right as soon as it comes online and suddenly you've got you know four to six hundred employees of u.s venture living downtown now many of the existing employees will probably continue to live where they already live right yep. and they're going to be commuting between you know the old site and wherever they live now to downtown which is great because there's still that in economic impact mm -hmm. but when you're taking on supposedly another you know doubling that em employee force or workforce those people probably will try and find some housing downtown mm -hmm. and it's got to be affordable right because you know uh, I don't know that some anybody it, can. Some of yeah, it. Has some to of be it. Like, it has to be yeah. a mix. Yeah, it has to be a mix. Definitely. And I think there's just this tendency to to go to chase the higher end of the housing because you're getting more tax dollars out of it. Um, mm, right. But you're, there's also, you know, we can't just do that. We've got to also provide opportunity for everyone. Definitely. Yeah, especially with the economy being so good right now, like people people are chasing the premium because yeah. it, it sets you apart and because it's accessible right now to more people but yeah there definitely has to be a mix so you're not vulnerable you know but i'm excited i hope I, like do you know like do you know anything about the the venture situation are you allowed to talk are you about asking it? me how much i can share about the u.s venture situation i think so <laughs> <laughs> uh i can share that generally speaking you know, we kind of all, I think, support the idea of, of having them downtown. The challenge has just been finding the right, um, the right cost share of, of whatever that project ends up being. Right. And we were, we were traveling down a pretty challenging road for quite a while because um, it just felt like what the city was getting out of it wasn't quite as much as what the U.S. Venture was getting out of it. Mm -hmm. That's all in a state of flux right now. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, we haven't really had an update on, on where the conversations are, um, but there's some positivity coming out of, you know, the notion is that there's some positivity coming out of those conversations. So yeah. I know we were we were in a pretty negative space for quite a time, um, and it was it was a period where that cost kept ramping up, um, you know, the, the city, cost to the city. Yeah, the cost to the city, and and you know, the previous council. Um, couldn't establish a limit on on that parking ramp structure so it just it just kept creeping up and it was you know at a point where it was like boy this thing is like almost a third as much again as what we said we wanted to spend on it and mm -hmm. that's where the challenge was like we get that it has a value we also understand that you know what we're getting out of a u.s venture site downtown is 
pretty darn significant and what it's going to bring to us is far outweighs the cost of this ramp but there's only so much the city can do to fund to fund the thing right we have we have there's a limit we mm -hmm. can't we don't just have an open checkbook and say yeah if you want seventy thousand for a ramp we'll just pay that we, we can't do it right mm -hmm. we've got to make sure that thing cash flows and it was getting to the point where we couldn't cash flow it mm -hmm. unless we dipped into reserves or we're dipping into this fund and it, it just got to the point where it's feeling really uncomfortable so conversations have shifted a little bit and i think the the vision has shifted and, and it's uh hopefully headed down a positive path but good that's, yeah i mean I'll, that's about all i'll say about it that yeah yeah i think i think we're feeling better feeling better than we were feeling that's good yeah i think um i mean whatever ends up happening with it uh downtown yeah. as a whole and especially the east side is going to be yeah you're right about that it's going to be a domino type yeah definitely effect. i'm if, if anyone's <laughs> if anyone's thinking about opening a small business i mean if you can keep it alive for a few years i think that whole area is going to like change drastically on the east side yeah, like and, in the and next there's other five, things ten. that we've been working towards and that's giving riverfront development and creating mm -hmm. more pedestrian and and uh, bicycle access to the riverfront and you know there's lots of things that a development of the scale the u.s venture is proposing can open up contribute to that cause right they mm -hmm. can help move some of those ideas forward they just have to be open to you know allowing whatever this project is to give something to the community and i think that's you know that's the conversation now uh, the Allen Course Peace Park is coming. This is another thing that uh, Sculpture Valley started a couple of years ago to get this thing named for Allen Court, and then also helping the design process. And we spent a year kind of teasing out the, what this really incredible, you know, downtown park would look like. Um, Where would that be? That's the old wastewater treatment site on River Street. So right now, if you drive down towards the water by the the historic Mills mm -hmm. apartments, mm -hmm. there's that long green space. It's fenced in. That whole thing from oh, essentially yeah. from Fratello's, yep. if you're trying to traveling, Fratello's back to yeah. like the, all the, way the up river to, mills or whatever, yeah, all the way up to uh, Jones Park entrance uh, from the low side. So that entire okay. green space from Fratello's yep. up to the, the historic mills apartments, that's the future Peace Park. Okay, um, and it's going to be it's going to be phenomenal. And I think Sounds phenomenal. you river know, getting river. U.S. Venture locked into that bluff site will help propel some of the things that we want to see happen in that in that park space and definitely it's, yeah it's going to give tons of exposure so. yeah there's a lot of uh i think there's a lot of tangential opportunity that will come out of this not just the thing itself but all those things that as you say are gonna sort of ha start happening as as this um development yeah the waves you know it's like a pebble in a pond there's lots of different waves that are coming off of it yeah i think uh there's a l crazy cool potential to kind of bridge from the flats to downtown and like that could be that's like a kingpin there's at this a point. there's a proposal it's phase two of the ellen court peace park to create a pedestrian bridge from the peace park up over water street is that river street water up street. into downtown or? up into jones park so you okay. actually bypass all of that heavy traffic you Sweet. know i mean think about the traffic that's going to be in and around the u.s venture site that's pretty yeah true and so this this is what gets me excited because I really want that pedestrian crossing to happen, mm -hmm. um, and it could become just sort of a, a an experience, a, a national kind of yeah. It could be a really spectacular thing to have this 
uh, connection from College Avenue down to the Peace Park. Oh, definitely. And sort of connections in between. You get off into Jones, you can go all the way up, all the way up to the... And then that could, know. I mean, you know, 15, 20, 25 years from now, that could become a river walk, yeah. the start of a river walk. And that's where we're headed. Right? Yeah. We're, we're focusing our attention back on the river. So, mm-hmm. you know, these are the... Th- these are the types of things, besides the U.S. venture coming, the, the fact that it's coming, that's what excites me about it. Like, what are the other opportunities that are going to surface as we figure this thing out? Definitely. Those waves are... And maybe there's something exciting. in there about Soldier Square. I mean, we, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, just in, we just need to make sure, um, and this is an important thing to say, I think, is that there's some there's some passionate people who care enough to make sure that some things happen because as as you're talking about this US venture thing I can't help but draw parallels I'm not sure how familiar you are with like the Oshkosh truck uh they bought like a municipal golf course and it had a significant chunk of riverfront yeah. in Oshkosh um and it was kind of controversial I I thought it was nice to keep them in town and um and I think they can do potentially do a lot of cool stuff with it because it's it's right along a major yeah, okay. uh, trail. But there needs to be some passionate, passionate people yeah. making sure that they you know making because sh- I think Oshkosh Truck was saying like um, they were going to do some like wetlands restoration where it it was normally just a golf course you know it's like I mean as long as we keep as we keep these projects beholden to the vision, some great stuff can happen. I, I think that's exactly right. And and part of the challenge with, you know, if you're running a city is how do you balance like the community and economic development where your primary goal is to get businesses um, as much opportunity and, and levity to do the things that they want to do. And sometimes that supersedes what the public writ large gets to do, mm-hmm. right? And so when we think about Soldier Square, for example, we're going to put uh, a multi-use development here, which is going to allow a private entity to have some renting space. We'll stick a library in there as well. But it really goes to what does that uh, entity want out of this arrangement, right? Mm-hmm. And we have, I think generally speaking, there is that notion. Um, you know, there's there's riverfront trails that could have gone entirely uh adjacent to the river all the way from I mean I can't think of essentially the river space uh, through Newbury up past uh, Tempest Coffee House and at some point it was determined that the business interest of having that waterfront property superseded the public's interest to have a trail cross and maintain a water full uh, access full a, all, all, yeah. essentially along, all along the water and it's like no we're going to actually reroute the trail and allow that business to have that waterfront space for mm. themselves. Is that and River I think Heath that, that you're talking about? There's, there's a, a couple. Of, there's a couple sure. examples, um, and I think we have to be really careful about that because we had that property and we gave it away, and mm-hmm. it's like, why did we do that? Mm-hmm. Because it can coexist, and I think there's a tendency to think more about the business development than there is to think about the interests of the community when you're talking about dollars and trying to increase the tax base. Because, you know, we've been in this situation with our budget for a couple of years where we're struggling really hard to, to really make ends meet, pay for everything. So I think we we err on the side of making more money if we can mm-hmm. instead of erring on the side of creating a more usable urban space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of why I keep trying to challenge this sort of status quo Notion, and let's not let's not always give it to the business. Or if we do, let's make sure that they understand that 
it's you know we're going to give this to you or allow you to get some funding for it in return you need to have you know think about how you're going to interact with the public mm-hmm. and that's kind of the situation we're in th- with us venture um you know that's that's almost through the campus is growing and there's there needs to be a serious conversation about access from college down to the water particularly with the 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 scale of what this um proposal is uh and we just have to say you know what it's very important to to consider the public and whatever we're doing here Mm -hmm. but again those i think that's the exciting part about it is we can get those people on board and say there's there's no reason we can't be you know partners on par in these endeavors definitely yeah it's uh tricky but yeah and on, the, on, the, on the flip and, side of that yeah. um you know we have a park and rec director who understands this and there was a move i think to the space that was the Ellencourt peace park there was some interest in doing some kind of commercial development there more apartments or something on the water and they and for a number of reasons one it was a brown site and there was some contamination that just wouldn't allow that kind of development but on the other side it was you know we really need some more green space there's been a call for it for decades you know it's always part of the comp plan we need more green space we people are calling for this so definitely with um, the river you know they they understood this and said you know we're not going to do that this is going to be a green space it's going to be a park and it was at that moment that i said uh let's name it after ellen court then because she is you know she had just passed away and she was our first poet laureate and i knew her and i said you know this is this is perfect What's a laureate? This is a perfect opportunity. Uh, it's sort of the lead poet for the city or the state or the country, right? So Wisconsin's okay. poet laureate. Essentially, they go around and represent poets and yeah. speak at various engagements. But Ellen was that for Wisconsin. Ellen was Ellen Court was that for she was Wisconsin's first poet laureate. I think we're on. I could be wrong. I think we're on number five now. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think it's a good name. Definitely. Um, so what haven't we talked about? <laughs> there was another thing that <laughs> rooftop bars. I was gonna oh, <laughs> rooftop bars. Yeah, how can we make those happen? <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> and we'll incorporate them with uh, rooftop gardens and For sure. pollinating uh, plants and all of that. Yeah. Green roofs. Yep. What What is the What holds us back from that in Appleton? Green rooftop roofs? bars and green roofs. Well, I don't know about rooftop bars. I know green roofs are expensive. Okay. Uh, when so you look costly. at, yeah, it's a it's a pretty, depending on how you do it, but I think a legitimate green sure. roof is pretty costly. And okay. When you look at the amount of uh, money that has to go into it and the amount of maintenance that has to go into it, they're, they're challenging. Not that mm. they shouldn't happen, um, but there's certainly lots of other ways to spend money on green infrastructure sure. um, you the first thing you do is preserve the forests and the woodlands and the prairies that we have like that's got to be number one it's like we got to reduce the loss of these things yeah you know people always thought about let's plant a million trees great let's do some tree planting and we're all for that right mm-hmm. let's plant a whole boatload of trees but Does at the same time we do that we've got little saplings and we've just lost you know 60 acres of old growth hardwood forest on the north side of town well we're, we're not going to make that up right mm-hmm. so it's very important to to keep that in mind and preserve what we have and not let any more of it go did we lose go towards urban sprout well we in like plumbing area or what do you there mean? are tracks that are disappearing con- always yeah. you know what do we have left like Tallulah, plumbing 
Not much, it seems like. Well, Plumman's outside of our jurisdiction. Okay. But yeah, Tallulah. I mean, there are there are tracks, and, and thankfully Riverview Gardens has become kind of an oasis in the center yeah. of the city, and we have that. That's a great like jewel, Riverview. right? Yeah. How, how we managed to keep that from becoming developed it was due in part to in some part to the community that lives on the water there that north community yeah um raising a lot of hell um and then just finding the right person to come up and step up and and preserve it we need more of those people yeah i mean it's a great asset right you can imagine if that whole thing was developed it would just you know, we would we would have lost that green space definitely um, just would have been and all there. this all the services it provides um you know and the i think that's the other nice connection to u.s venture that it's not only this business but they also have a nonprofit sort of in heavily involved in riverview gardens and, and keeping this space green and allowing it to you know be a csa and be an educational institution and all these other kind of aspects of it service veterans yeah um it's a, it's, it's a great jewel right it is i've mountain biked in their little oh the little switchback yeah that's great yeah yeah that i was on there the first time that thing really? came out i was like wow this is pretty cool it is yeah, yeah. it's unexpectedly yeah. nice yeah you know and one of the trails is going to come through there i don't know when it'll happen but it'll go along the river and kind of connect back um, okay. on the south side of the river so there there are trail connectations connect connections connection um, points on both the north and south to try and get us to a full path on the north side of the river from Alicia all the way out to us, hopefully at some day out to the refuge. There's some residential areas we've got to work through. And then almost the same thing on the south side where there are some connections, which will, one of these is the Riverview Garden segment. And I think okay. that one's, that one's online for next year, potentially wow. Sweet. to make that trail happen. So we're making a really substantial uh, headway on creating this new riverfront uh, trail system. And actually, we're talking right now about finally giving it a name. And, and I think that's a great conversation to have with all the stakeholders. It's something that's been missing. So yeah. that's also coming into the conversation very soon. Sweet. Are you familiar with Greenways and what they're doing with yep. like the paper trail and stuff? Yep. Is that kind of part of that or kind of not as much? Well, a lot of those were their own initiatives, but they've yeah. also been behind trying to get this naming thing done. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of entities have been doing it. The the pedestrian uh, task force that was just assembled through the city came out and said this is one of the first things we should do is get this thing named. And so I was approached by uh, the uh, Fox City Cycling Association, Gwen, um, mm -hmm. to introduce a resolution to get this done. And so Sweet. now we're slowing down a little bit and we're going to, bring all the stakeholders to the table and have a conversation about you know what does this mean for you guys how do we want to launch this yeah um how does how do we interpret that into existing signage new signage uh wayfinding you know all sorts yeah. of different things i was gonna so, so like foxtrot trail if you when you rename all this would foxtrot trail cease to exist or would it be a small segment in a bigger it would it would probably just yeah it would probably still exist okay that doesn't cover the whole trail system so Okay, so it's like a segment. Yeah. Okay. And that's the idea is to give this, to not limit what might become of smaller segments. Because in, in honesty, like the trestle crossings, I think, can have their own identity and they can serve a purpose. They can right. be historical or their own um, memorial commemorative. Bridge. Right. There can be some placards on there and give them their own kind of purpose, mm -hmm. which I have been pushing for. Um, but yeah, we got to get the whole thing a name, and then we figure out how each of these little components fit into that and how they work together. Yeah. 
and and beyond Appleton, there's lots of you know we can keep going and keep going until you're you know down to Oshkosh or up to Green Bay. So definitely, um, or even further, uh, you know the Fox could, Wisconsin Heritage Parkway idea. Um, it never quite made it to fruition, but that was essentially from Green Bay all the way down to you know, dip, uh, what's it's not Dubuque, what's no, southern Iowa, corner of the state, right? Um, like Racine or Rac- Kenosha, Prairie du Chien. Okay, so yeah, that whole wow. waterway uh, wow. with you know with the portage right in the middle of it. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I think sometimes trails. I, I don't know. I guess I don't know how people think about this, or if there is, if there are people that are like, oh, we should spend our time doing other things, but. Yeah. Like really, like you said, protecting those like uh, prairies, forests, that stuff that's already there. And then finding a way to make, you know, connect these, just like trails offer people such a an opportunity to really connect with the area, whether they yeah. live, whether they live in Appleton, whether they live in Nina and just love going along the river. That really is like, it becomes a place people can bring kids it becomes yeah, a place it's, it's does a, it functions in so many different ways it, you know, it might be your release it might be your mode of exercise it might be your mode of you know like sharing time with your family mm-hmm. you know there's just so much opportunity there and i think you know nina and Manash have done a great job with the loop the lake trail we've got some sculptures down there but that's right it's one contiguous thing if you want to go around once it takes mm-hmm. you some time and you get to go through some communities and residential and over the water and back on and then it's great, right? Yeah. If you've done it, it's a, it's an incredible experience. And then if you become accustomed to it and you're, it becomes part of your daily routine, you you don't want to give it up, right? Because that's a, for some, it's a zen-like experience to go out and experience the trail. So we're trying to do that up, you know, closer to the Fox River in Appleton. And, I, and it's been in the works for years and years. And we're making slow, steady progress to get these trails done. But we're, we're, we're at a point now where we're finally seeing, wow, we're actually going to have this whole system it's finally getting close to being done that's awesome um uh, i the next 10 years i always say the next 10 years are going to be crazy they're going to be crazy globally they're going to be crazy yeah. nationally and um i think we're going to see a ton of growth and just like different things playing out in all of wisconsin yeah. and especially northeast there's just so many communities that really um are on the cusp of being able to like make big changes or make big growth. Something about Northeast Wisconsin is like none of none of us are Milwaukee, but we all have the potential to work together and become something, you know, great. So I'm excited. I do want to. S- how would we get rooftop bars? Do you know? <laughs> how, like, I don't. I really don't get why we don't. It's just another them. resolution I have to write and introduce to council. Okay. Right? Okay. Perfect. No, I don't. I'm not sure what the current policy is or what the permitting process is. Okay. I don't believe we have any. Although I understand that there. So it would have to I be lobbied for. I feel like there was for. one application to do that, or it's been discussed, but. I'm not prepared for that one. Okay. It's, it's, it's not like it's not out there and people haven't been talking about it. I'm just not sure that it's been pushed. And it, you know, and for, 
it's essentially what happens to me is there's these ideas and these notions and as you say if no one does anything right, right. then it just kind of sits as an idea and a notion and part of what attracted me to run for council is like there's every day I'd wake up oh there's another great idea and notion okay did we talk about this uh, we might have talked about it and then they didn't do anything well when was that uh, it was like 10 years ago 5 years ago and, and why didn't we do it uh, no, 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 no reason I'm like well yeah. what the hell okay well let's do this right yeah so absolutely I, my, my motivation is just because it feels like there are things there are great things that we've talked about but no one has taken that sort of that step to push it into an action item right and that's okay. what I'm doing with council and some of these things scare people the no mo may resolution I just talked to the, the inspector that? for the city is like ah we're not liking this that's going to require a lot of work on our part and I'm like I know but it gets a what is it uh it's no mo may. It allows us to suspend the ordinance that says you have to cut your grass after it gets to eight inches tall. Mm. So for the entire month of May, essentially, you know, you don't have to mow until June. Okay. And, and what does that do? That creates a conversation and it creates like questions. And, and then we get to educate and say, well, what is this doing? We're allowing plants to blossom f once or twice. And that allows all the insects that are just coming out of hibernation or, you know, suspended animation or maybe they're hatching or larvae and caterpillars. It gives them some forage opportunity because yeah. typically the first thing we want to do when the snow melts is one rake off all the garbage that's on our lawns and then a week later we want to mow it because it's green and now we get to mow yay yeah um but what we're doing is when we rake the yards off we're getting rid of a bunch of insects that are there there's cocoons and caterpillars and larvae and stuff that are sitting in, that have been in the winter overwintering on our lawns and then as the grass grows up and you're just about ready to blossom the clover and all that stuff Destroy giving food. pollinators some nectar and uh, forage ability we're going to cut all that down mm. so this idea is like you know what let's have a conversation we're going to we're going to allow every resident to like leave their lawn more in the garage until June 1 mm -hmm. that does a couple option. of things right Right, it's just an yeah, option. Yeah, it's an option, right? This is not forcing anybody yeah. to do anything. And and honestly, I like it. Honestly, maybe five percent of the population will say, "Well, oh, that's cool. I'm going to do that." And hopefully, it's not <laughs> it's not five percent of people who have you know vacant homes or delinquent landowners. We have to right. be careful about how that gets translated. Um, but it gets a conversation started about, "Oh, wait a minute. What are our habits? We have to. We're going to rake off and kill, and we're going to." poison our lawns with herbicides and pesticides because we want this monocultured green thing what does that do for our insect Ecosystem. populations which are on a dramatic decline yeah and in turn what does it happen what does it do for our songbirds and all of our native animals and species which are also on a significant decline we're, we're killing off opportunity now it's an urban environment it's not like this is everything there's lots of rural space in wisconsin yeah but it's significant enough that if we change our habits about what we do with our lawns yep. um, and, and, and we're not asking to take the, the, the big leap like I'm not I'm going to change my lawn and totally plant wildflowers I'm not going to mow it anymore yeah maybe someone likes to do that what we're saying is think about it maybe you mow half as many times as you did previously instead of mowing every weekend maybe do it every other weekend mm -hmm. or maybe you forget say you know what i don't need to have that chemical application on my lawn i'm gonna let it go and see what happens i, I mowed my lawn four times last year it never got over like four inches because i've kind of let it become a natural thing and it's a lot of clover and a lot of other it's, it's a right. real mix of what we have come to understand as weeds but to me it's all green it all serves a function yeah and i only had to mow it four times mm -hmm. and i probably could have let it go the entire year right and it's only because i'm not 
managing it to be grass. If I were managing it to be grass, it's growing like mad, right? We're actually creating work for ourselves by creating these monocultures. We, we weed it out and we fertilize it and then it grows like mad and we got to go cut it. Yeah. And, it, it, and that costs money. And it's a habit, right? And, the, and this doesn't seem weird to to us, right? If we don't think about it, this yeah. is just what we do. Why else? Why, why would you do anything else? But uh, once you get out of that a little bit and take a break, oh, well, that doesn't look so bad. You know, it's mm-hmm. green. It's it's not growing like crazy. And so now I look at my lawn and like, I look around everybody else is mowing every weekend and, you know, True Green's coming around to spray their lawns. Like, I don't spend any money on my lawn. Yeah. I don't have to mow it. I'm not burning, you know, two-cycle engine oil with right. you know, gas and oil mix. And, and what am I... Like what? What makes this less appealing to me than a lawn that is the other way? Mm-hmm. Nothing. It works fine. It functions like it should. So definitely. And passing this would basically just be giving a green light to say, is it like, a, uh, is it like a awareness campaign? It is. It's an okay. awareness and education. So we're, okay. you know, we're, you know, it's kind of like the sculpture in the end. You know, we're going to create some kind of conversation mm-hmm. right now we don't know what that conversation is there's going to be a lot of people like freaking out about it because mm-hmm. oh my gosh my neighbor's lawn is eight inches tall now why aren't you mowing your lawn mm-hmm. and they can say well i'm part of no mow may mm-hmm. and i'm electing to not do it until june one now honestly if you think about it june 1st between april and june that's not a lot of growing period your lawn might get three four five inches tall so we're not talking about some crazy you know three oh, foot right. thistle patch right that takes time. Right. Um, and we may have to say, you know what, honestly, if you've got a really vigorously growing lawn and it gets over 12 inches, you're going to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. You can't let that happen until June. So, you know, we're sort of teasing out the language of what this thing looks like. But it really is about educating ourselves and, and, and thinking about our bad habits. Yeah. To me, these are all bad habits. But but we don't think about them that They're way. We just don't question, right? Mm-hmm. So we're blowing, we're using gas-powered leaf blowers or electric or gas. I mean, it's just like, why are we doing all this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, especially when it's detrimental to the things that are really hurting right now. Yeah. The, <laughs> it's funny because um, these are things that I've thought about as well. And like, even in my, you know, even in my family or whatever, but I, <laughs> I'm to the point where I know majority of the people who I'm having these conversations with yeah. aren't going to see eye to eye that, with me. Yeah. So I'm glad you're in a position to, <laughs> to do something about it because, I, I mean, I agree completely. We waste a lot of resources and damage a lot of water and ecosystems and, just on lawns. And look, I'm, you know, I think we're all guilty of these things. And as, as much as I think about these environmental things, I'm just as, I'm, you know, I, I use a lot of energy. I, you know, I use a lot right. of water. And it's, ha- it's habit, right? Mm-hmm. I, I drive everywhere. I, I can certainly drive a hell of a lot less than I do now. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm always late for stuff. So I'm always like, oh, I got to get in the car. I don't have time to ride my bike. Right. So it, it's just really about thinking about things just a little bit differently. Um, but continuing to continuing to um, have the intention to get better and then trying to act on it. Yeah, it takes small steps. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to get to is like it doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation. And, and maybe after you let it grow for a while, you're like, oh, you know what? I kind of like the way that looks. Maybe I'll just mow the first two feet into my yard that's next to the terrace, and, and I'll let the rest go. And maybe mm-hmm. that starts you thinking about, well, maybe I just plant some flower beds over there. So it's, it's about that conversation 
Mm -hmm. um, but we don't have it if we don't break that habit. And so this is trying to, this is basically saying, you know, break your habit for a minute. We're not going to penalize you for letting your grass right. grow. And then you can like think about it. And then, you know, if it comes June 1st, you think it's, you know, holy crap, i got to mow my lawn. Well, then you go out and mow your lawn, right? If you but don't. maybe think a little bit differently about your frequency or yeah. what you're putting on it um, and the time you're spending on it. And it's just an exposure thing, you know, just like the mask. You see it five times yeah. and the fifth time you're like, huh, that's like not even how I Yeah, I, th I think about my own lawn. I used to, I used. To, I mean, I never fertilized it, but I mowed it very regularly and got kept it to that height and if I saw dandelion I was out there yanking dandelions I don't do any of that now mm -hmm. I, I rarely mow it unless I've got grass blades that are up over six inches or something but and now I'm used to it and now it seems fine to me like it mm -hmm. functions and I see lots of bees and pollinators humming around and doing stuff when it come, when it blossoms and I think well that's great and I look at my neighbor's yard and there's no there's no uh, clover blossoms or creeping charlie or anything over there doing anything it's just grass and it's not yep. doing anything yep and i'm thinking well it's not a lot well why it is a lie those guys yeah. should do what i'm doing or maybe those you know right but it's that habit and we gotta that's what this yeah that's what this is about no is just like okay take a break break your habit and then think about it and you might go right back to your habits which right we do, right and you have every right, right but at least you at least we stopped right you had an opportunity to stop and think about it yeah, and it might it, even exposure to other people to be like, oh, that yard doesn't look that bad. And maybe they're an environmentally conscious person yeah. who just never even had considered the concept. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, we can do that now. We can grow our yards if, if, as long as there's some definition between what is your yard and grass and what else isn't, right? So anybody right now could let their yards grow wild if you put up a little fence in front of it. It's... Mm it defines it's a is a social cue like okay this guy's letting their grass go it's obvious because there's a little fence and now everything behind that is like they don't care like a wild land right much. yeah but it's defined and that's the so other weird. conversation like we can do this right now mm -hmm. any we don't need this resolution to say you can let your grass go you can do it on your own accord if you want but it's it a but, but you've got to define that right mm -hmm. and you've got either may, maybe you mow a little strip in front of it or you mow the terrace and you mow a couple feet into your yard and that says okay i'm taking care of my yard you can see that because i'm mowing it but the rest of this i'm intentionally leaving to do what it will do or maybe i'm going to manage it or maybe i'm going to figure out what's going on so maybe if you get it past the move is to experiment get some real passionate people about it experiment with different mixes of like native plants yep. and uh bring people on like field trips or like um bring media in or something to like raise the question like because i i'd be fun to do like who's got the ugliest yard like at the end of no moment like who's got the ugliest gnarliest thing and or, then go take pictures of like <laughs> or there's a way we haven't figured out yet to make like a native plant blend or format yeah. that looks that works better really well right. that looks better than a lawn and then raise the question like why don't why aren't we doing this there are some really great low growing blends out there mm. that are a mix of european seeds it's and it's stuff that doesn't grow more than three or four inches and it, when you put a mix out there it kind of fills in and does a really good job of um controlling Blending. itself yeah um there are blends out there right now that you can i've got a friend who just took out it took you know four inches of sod completely took everything off his lawn put new sod down and, and new you know really nice uh mulch and, and black soil and then went back with this mix and i'm telling you it's it's pretty fantastic when it blooms it's like 
it's a f- like a mini field, mini wildflower field, but it doesn't get very high. And you're just like, like what, how did you do this? And you're like, oh, I got that mix from, it's a specialty mix. I think I got it from Oregon. And you're like, this is pretty incredible. Wow. And in uh, November, I was at his place, and I'm looking outside, and we had a mild season, obviously. And there's flowers blooming in November <laughs> in his, in his wow. lawn, which is just that was kind cool. of unheard of. Yeah. Yeah, there really is, like, as you were saying that, I'm picturing, like, some people's yards really are like alive some people's property is just buzzing it's humming right exactly right. you know those properties that you walk by and it's like just you know people are growing food and there's got vines and it's like wow they're really engaged in their land yeah they're getting some out of it they're putting something into it and there's a ton of like insect activity and animal yep. activity yeah and some are dead just, you, know, you know like from the landscape along the house and it's just like like you said yeah. monoculture and There's maybe they have a lot there. of shade too yeah. and just nothing but it's actually like <laughs> it's actually scary to think that because of popular opinion or or whatever yeah. and i guess that's how it was and maybe it's like swinging back now but that like death is preferred you know because people yeah. don't see bugs as like life but it's right. like, well, they bugs bring the squirrels and bugs bring the birds. Well, and it, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a, a lot of that to be placed on the backs of uh, corporate America and finding ways to sell stuff, right? How do we sell like glyphosate and Roundup? We sure. say that you've got to kill everything on your lawn or you've got to take out all the weeds because True. it's a weed. And while it's all green, who, who, why do we determine that, you know, buffalo yeah. bluegrass was the grass yep. and everything else is a weed? Yep. It's not. It's right. all growing it's, it's all, all nature yeah. it all serves a function and if you let it do its thing it'll establish itself and culture is crazy yeah, powerful is. and media just like imaging is like so powerful yeah. it's crazy but we're visual creatures and i definitely think we're headed in a a better direction as well, well we're being forced to right i mean this is coming at us climate change is True. coming at us and, True, yeah. and, and we you know we either try and start changing things quickly or or we just deal Perish. with the aftermath right right in the end yeah that could be it you know or we just live a really miserable existence right you know and at what point it's you say okay we gotta we gotta do this now yeah. and i think part of the challenge is uh everything we do as a city is always balancing on what's in the budget can we afford it and right. we, we've got to get beyond that model i mean there's, that time is is gone that time was probably gone 10 years ago um we're at a point now where you know we have to act Mm-hmm. We just have to act, awesome. and and yeah. however we do that, we have to declare climate emergency to get that funding. Well, we do that, or we figure out other ways to fund the things that we need to start doing. Mm-hmm. We gotta have those conversations, and we need someone that's brave enough and bold enough to say we can have those conversations mm-hmm. and say, nah, there's nothing in the budget. We can't do that. Definitely, I think we need to just talk about it more in general, because then we are gonna find. I think we're gonna find that a lot of people who are assumed to be against this sort of thing are like, oh, well, I, I could deal with some more trees or yeah. I could deal with some more, you know, like I'm, you know. I'm not opposed to that. Sure. Right. right. Yeah. Um, do you have any other, so like you're big on lawns, obviously that would arguably lawns have like a very underrated climatic impact or eco, uh, ecosystem impact. Um, do you have any other like creative ideas that you kind of, Oh, there's like always. environmentally at least it seems like you're an environmental guy. 
Well, that you know, the position on council keeps me moving in a dozen different directions. So I'm working on the arts at one point, and then I'm working on veterans' issues. But um, right. you know, I introduced the resolution to create the climate task force because there was another another thing that again. Why, why don't we have this? And we're behind uh, by a decade from some other communities. Eau Claire's been doing it for a long time. La Crosse has been at it for a decade. And we're like, why? we should be, we should have been doing this for at least as long as these other communities. And there was an attempt in 2017 by my predecessor to get get us moving in climate action, and it was voted down. Uh, it wasn't voted down. It actually sat on the mayor's desk and, and never went anywhere. Mm. Uh, and so that was another, that was one of the reasons I actually ran for council is like, well, that, we can't do that. <laughs> we're, we're 10 years behind. How can we delay it any longer? So, right. you know, we got the task force established, um, and it's just getting its sea legs right now, and mm. we'll see what happens. But, you know, I'm really excited to see what what we're able to accomplish. And, and a lot of it, a lot of it is going to be this very similar conversation. We have to start having these conversations, and what does that lead to? Definitely. And some of it's organic, and some will come out of this, but some of it is also, I think, forced. Like, if we do this no more, we're going to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, why are we doing this? Why would I let my grass grow? Well, there's tons of reasons, and here they are. And do you think this is important? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you think this is more important than, you know, going out every weekend and spending two hours with your mower and cutting down grass that doesn't need to be cut down? Mm-hmm. So... I mean, that's the least of the conversations we right. have to have. I mean, there's so many things. Um, I think it's almost about um, prioritizing, maybe, like at least for the task force, because there's so many ways you can approach it, right? Like you could build little islands for pollinators, kind of like the butterfly garden on the north side of town or something. Well, it's about connectivity. Yeah, just these islands. So yeah, and this is where those green roofs come in place. Imagine every, if we came up with an easy model to implement, you know, just a small patch on your on your urban roof. Mm-hmm. So if you're a business owner, here's this thing. It's you know maybe it's forty square feet of wildflowers. Now imagine that on every building downtown. You've just created an entire ecosystem for pollinators. The beehive that we installed on McFleshman's last mm-hmm. summer. Within four months, I believe, it had produced 60 pounds of honey. Wow. It was unbelievable. And this is a, a place where you think, well, we're going to put bees on a third-story building, a little hive up there. They're going to, how are they going to survive? They'll survive. They'll figure <laughs> and it And they out. went out. I mean, they, they, they spread out yeah. and do their foraging. But you think about, well, where the hell are they going in downtown Appleton? How are they getting all this? But they did incredibly well. 60 pounds of honey in, like, I think it was maybe two and a half three months wow um so that opportunity is there and if you if you can if we can replicate that model like well you don't have to have heat hives but you could put a little patch of wildflowers on your roof it doesn't have to be huge yeah create a box you know 10 by 10 box throw some soil in it throw some wildflowers in it and get your neighbors to do the same thing suddenly you've got a flyway where these insects can can do their thing in downtown appleton definitely that's exciting to me I think one of the initiatives that comes out that is exciting is our green roofs and also green walls and and living walls to get those kind of moving forward because it's Mm -hmm. another space that we It's surface area. It comes down to, like, can we make this work for us and also maybe offer it up to the nature that we kind of, you know, the millions of years that this was nature that we defiled maybe 150 years ago or something for our own can we make both work and like it might end up being really pretty <laughs> at the and then same here's time. an opportunity right where's the opportunity economic well maybe there's a business that's 
been thinking about establishing like the green wall business i mean someone's been thinking about it how do they launch this well if you suddenly say that we're gonna we want this in appleton and you've got you know 20 businesses clamoring to find someone to build a green wall mm-hmm. you've just created a, a economic engine for you know a dozen people to be part of a company and something and that downtown. could scale beyond appleton right. and then all of a sudden it's headquartered right. so, in yeah. appleton and now it's a and there's, there's a thousand opportunities like that when we talk about the environment but people don't it's always a cost thing it's like this opportunity there's tons and tons and tons of opportunity if we start to embrace these things mm-hmm. so we can't it, it's always couched in what's what can we afford in the budget well you have to think beyond that you have to think about these solutions that we're going to get to are going to require time energy employees materials investment it doesn't just happen overnight right someone's mm-hmm. going to invest in it and they're going to bring people here to do it do the work that's all really good stuff mm-hmm. maybe it's not in your budget but look what you're bringing to the budget right definitely yeah i think i, I mean i imagine the the best way to problem solve these things is co- you could do a cost benefit analysis you just need to take in more uh more variables yeah. at the end of the day you know like I think we don't consider as much as we could. Yeah, we don't value. We don't put value on the right, things that need value. Right, right. We're not putting economic value on. That's really the whole conversation. It is. Yeah. What's art worth? What's that sculpture worth over yep. there? Art and nature are the yep. two things that we really have trouble plugging into economics. And like the economic story. Have you ever? Do you read? Do you read books? <laughs> I yeah. If I have time, I read books. Yeah. Sure. Um, have you ever heard of the book Sapiens? Probably not. It sounds familiar. Okay, so it's pretty long, but it's basically like a book. It's like a brief history, although it's like a huge yeah. book, I'm pretty sure. I listened to it on audio. I didn't buy the book or whatever, but it's all about like human history from when there was multiple species to like where we're headed. And the whole idea is that humans were so successful because... Um, we were able to tell collective stories. Like we were able to tell and all agree upon like really massive stories. And if those stories changed, we were able to adapt quickly. So like the only reason tribes could exist was because of like shared spirits. Like we're the tribe of the horse spirit and like that's how we guide ourselves. And then like Christianity allowed, you know, major religions allowed for bigger groups. Democracy allowed for bigger groups. But the whole point of the book is that money is the greatest story ever told because um, Saddam Hussein, not everyone agrees with democracy. Not everyone agrees with religion. Saddam Hussein is the author's example. Like he hated democracy, hated American values. He hated America. He didn't believe in that story. And, um, um, And he hated Christianity. But he'll take American dollars, you know? So like with that with that stage being set that essentially the world operates on money because the only people not operating on money is aboriginals that are untouched which is not many um that's that's the path we're on as a society is like money like we're taking that as far down the historical road as we can and now we're forced to question like how well okay how do we integrate these things that we left behind yeah. into money. So when you measure success by the gross domestic domestic right. product, that's it doesn't that's work. your recipe for disaster, right? And that's right. why we that's why we are where we where we are. Right? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I mean you can get into a whole conversation about yeah, that's a long one. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. It is a wormhole, but it's so true. It's like, I mean, you're basically selling your time or like kind of like yourself to fit into the market. And at the end of the day, you know, we're all kind of promised paradise, but like, you know, it's really paradise for that 0.1%. Right. And it's kind of a fox paradise too, because. Well, and the dangerous thing is that 1% believes that no matter what happens, they're going to be fine, right? That's, they have the, they've had the money to get weather, weather everything, weather the storms and, and right. well, that's not. Yeah, interestingly. doesn't hold up yeah, forever, right? right? At some point you're going to be in with the rest of us and dealing with all this stuff too. So. That's kind of been the interesting thing about the internet and, and podcasts and yeah. these conversations that we both agree need to be having right. kind of having right now is like um just hearing people say like even though even the one percent even though the ultra wealthy and the elite are are kind of looking at what's on the horizon potentially and being like huh like that's not that's not pretty you know so well i'm glad you're you're in the belly of the beast doing something on our local level um, hopefully these conversations um, inspire some people to put up green roofs or approach the conversation or you pay, know pay attention yeah yeah definitely you know kind of figure out what council's up to there's a lot of stuff happening sort of at any given moment and there's probably some things that you care about that you you know so I think that's one of the things I'm trying to do is activate the citizenry you mm -hmm. know essentially my mission is to do some things that started these conversations right absolutely um, and those conversations don't go anywhere unless you're paying attention definitely um, and I just look at I look at the collective and the conversations it started and it's kind of mind-blowing what that one thing controversial as it is which to me is not that controversial has done so imagine that being replicated with you know let's have a conversation about pollinators with no mome yeah you know what is what does this do to, our, to the conversation that we're having um you know percent for art or uh naming the naming the river trail system uh, hydroelectric heritage parkway what does that do for our conversation i mean all of these things that i try to do are meant to get conversation started and move us down a, yeah. a a more activated path and i think I think there's an eagerness in the community to do that. Our neighborhoods are becoming more engaged and talking to each other. And this is, you know, this is part of social media. It's part of having like, you know, uh, the Nest system or Nextdoor and, and this neighborhood's kind of rediscovering the fact that, you know, there was a time when we knew all of our neighbors and we'd visit and yep. kind of know what they were all up to. And we've, we've come so far. Um, Gone away uh, from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, removed from that and realizing that wow if we're really in the thick of it I mean think about what happened at the uh, in July when we had that massive storm with the EF 1 oh, and yeah. 2 incidents and all the trees that came down well what happened everyone came out to help not only to fix their own yards but they saw their neighbors true like what am I going to do with this tree oh I got a chance I'll take care of it yeah. and there's so much of that going on and, and to me that's the model for like the more significant stuff that's coming at us you know if we actually do have some rather significant climate change things that happen it's going to be that it's going to be neighbors stepping out and like i've got to yeah i mean i'm in dire straits but i can see you got you need some help mm -hmm. we'll help each other we'll get through this there's support there's emotional support there's physical support um and i think that's the beauty of 
of of the Appleton and Fox Cities communities. I think I think there's an acknowledgement of that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe more so than in other areas. And you were trying to get to it earlier, like what makes what makes the Fox Cities and Appleton so engaging. And I think that's that's part of it. Um, this notion that we're kind of in it together mm-hmm. and we're willing to have conversations and it doesn't matter where we are in the political spectrum. Um, you know, we, we want to have a really functional and, and um, high quality of life in this area. And that comes from everybody. It comes if you're, you know, on the far right end of the spectrum or far left or if mm-hmm. you're a 1% business owner that's trying to put a project in the middle of downtown or you're like, you know, on your street and you're a homeless veteran. We're all part of it and we all need help at some point. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're all part of the conversation. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, going back through, how can people get, how can people get involved with, uh, um, with Sculpture Valley? Uh, we have a website, SculptureValley.com, and we have a Facebook presence. So if you have any interest in like being part of our board or coming to the meetings, um, we just elected a new board last night, and they're going to establish a, a bi-monthly meeting schedule um, just to get a little bit more. We were meeting quarterly, but it wasn't... Um, wasn't frequent enough to keep the community engaged, so they're going to be looking at that. Uh, lots of projects on board uh, for the organization. A new acre for exhibition this year. Um, we didn't even touch on it, but I'm working with uh, Kate Trinka, who's the Charter for Compassion lead in Appleton, to do a compassion tree project. Um, if you've seen the tree on College Avenue in the taste, but next to Taste to Tie in that Lawrence University plot called The Grove, that was a tree constructed out of that storm event I was talking about. A week after the storm came through, uh, the artist was supposed to do a singular tree installation, and I met with him and said, you know, we got all these trees down. Why don't we go out to the city yard? We'll cut a bunch of chunks of a bunch of different storm trees, and we'll create this sculpture out of all the storm trees, and it can speak to you know our community resiliency. We're coming together. And it was essentially what I was saying before, that when that storm event happened, happened everyone came out to help each other and i think that's that was the great thing about that art installation so we we want to take that notion and maybe expound on it and say okay what if we put out the request for let's say it's 15 sculptures uh that are made of trees it could be the storm trees because we still have those or other trees um and then we create this conversation about you know carbon sequestration and what does it mean to plant trees and maybe there's a model where if we bring one sculpture tree into a community then that community will commit to planting a thousand trees Mm -hmm. for example Um, can we go down that that road what can the city contribute to this thing what do the private industries want to contribute to this thing so there's a ton of opportunity um, that's just one of the, one of the uh, initiatives that we're trying to tease out. Awesome. And that's through Sculpture Valley? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so um, that's how they can get involved with Sculpture Valley. What about um, the bike connection points? Like, how can people get involved with that? Is there is there a way even or no? Uh, uh, the Pedestrian uh, Advisory Committee, I, forget, I don't know their exact title, but they're recently formed. Um, Jason Brozak is the chair of that committee, so you could reach out. It's a, it's a city-appointed um, uh, advisory committee, and they're the ones who sort of initiated this trail naming, and we'll be working with you know, members of all different um, uh, private and uh, non-governmental institutions to figure out what this trail becomes. So there's a ton of different ways to get involved in the bike. Uh, and trails projects again it's it's a lot of just paying attention to what's going on um the greenways has been probably the leader in that creating you know 
different little biking segments and mapping. Um, so they're part of that. Um, if you want to get involved in the pollination conversation, that's Pollenablers Fox Cities. That is an uh, organization that was formed because we got a B-City certification last year. So that's a new group, and that group is working to have these conversations about your lawns. Um, they're essentially behind the No Mow May resolution, um, okay. and we're going to be doing a huge uh, pollination celebration for this year, uh, June 13th to the 20th, I believe it is. Tons and tons of uh, pollinator programming and we're pulling in not only the bee city but the tree city and the bird city affiliations and trying to cover the entire gamut of you know what's challenging all of these species yeah. to, to live on so man there's there's so much opportunity to get involved in yeah in if someone like that uh nomo may um is there any way they could like email their council person or their alderman yep, or I would do like it yep anytime these resolutions are introduced that that opens the opportunity for anybody uh just visit the city website and you can just actually you can mail it's all the persons at appleton.org use that email address it goes to every all the person okay sweet so make your voices heard um and then if you know a business owner in appleton just get a box on top of the roof and some things planted and uh and maybe we'll you know a sculpture one, next to it yeah we'll put us we'll put the, the collective up there uh too and then um if anyone's really interested in getting a rooftop bar send us a message we can uh you and i you and i will work yeah. together we'll talk to some uh entrepreneurs in the area and we'll get we'll we'll get an organization formed get some push push into the city and <laughs> um yeah, we'll get it all done next 10, 15 years, right? Yeah, sooner than <laughs> sooner, that. I, yeah. Sooner, sooner than that. Right. All of it, honestly. And a lot of it, especially the last stuff we just brought up, is <laughs> super, super fast. Um, cool. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Appreciate yeah. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It truly means a lot to me. 